Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marchalina. I'm joined once again by Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good tonight, Joe. How are you? Hanging in there. It's uh, another another gray and rainy, at least rainy for a little while Monday, and that's uh, that seems to be the norm, I guess. Yeah, the the outlook for the week is is good, though, from what I've seen. Yes, so that sounds that's that's encouraging. I'm already cheering up already. Yeah, I'm hoping for like some good, like you know, blue skies and warm breeze, like that nice September football feel. Sure. I'm, I'm hoping that that's what comes our like way. Some 65 to 70 degree weather, with just a little bit of like a hint of a chill in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. I'm ready to go now. <laughs> <laughs> right, just close your eyes and imagine. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, you can, of course, uh, send your questions and feedback to us by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at, at NHHSports. Uh, you can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com or wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Odyssey. And, uh, you know, before we get started... Uh, I wanted to point out that, uh, of course, we are recording this uh, Monday night. The date is uh, September 25th. And, uh, I, Mike, I, I meant to mention this before we started, but I texted you uh, earlier today uh, with a with a uh, this day in history type of thing, and I was off on half of it. Um, so today, exactly 80, eight years ago today, I almost said 80, that's great, uh, eight years ago today, um, was my last day as a full-time employee at the Nashua Telegraph. Yes. And uh, I think I texted you and said that was your first win, too, as a head coach. And I, I, I don't know why, but I always get that wrong. It wasn't actually your first game. It was actually your third season. Uh, I was at your first win, though, however. But yes. that, but that night, particular night, uh, September 25th, 2015, I was covering your game against Hollis Brookline, which was – like a 50 to six win, I think was what I found. Yes. Um, so that was my last assignment as a full-time telegraph employee was, that was a Sauhegan win over Hollis Brookline, which at the time seemed kind of fitting that I would, I would go out with, uh, with two, um, you know, two local teams, at least for our coverage area like that. Yes. In fact, I remember that article because, you know, that game had started out kind of slow for us at Sauhegan. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, now that you say that, I remember that. Yeah, and I remember you kind of setting up the article by saying, you know, uh, you know, Coach Lockman's seen enough football in his time to know that, you know, just because things start slow, you know, blah, 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 it just takes one turnover or something, right? I don't remember, but I, I remember that article um, as your last one that you wrote for the paper there about our team. And uh, yeah, yeah, so, geez. It doesn't seem like eight years ago. I can tell you that. Yeah, it cer certainly doesn't. Uh, you know, and, and I, I bring that up, um, you know, just because, you know, it, it's, you know, we like to celebrate anniversaries of fives and tens and, and rounder or, you know, more even numbers like that. I know eight's an even number, but it's, you know, not a decade. It's not five years. <clears throat> but it's, I feel like it's significant now, you know, especially now that we're, you know, three years ago, we were in the middle of a, a pandemic and not really sure what was going to happen, uh, where, what direction things were going to go in. Um, you know, we're now well past that. And, uh, you know, I, we've been doing this podcast now for the better part of, I think, six or seven years, right? 
uh, you know, and it's been, we've gotten a lot of support from, from the people that listen and, and, uh, greatly appreciate that and, and are very thankful for everybody that, uh, enjoys listening to us week to week and, and, and sometimes puts up with our, uh, um, I don't want to say our, our, let's just say our, our miscues, our mistakes. Uh, we're, you know, we're, <laughs> I'm sure other people have more colorful uh, terms for it, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're very grateful that uh, people enjoy this and certainly love all of the, uh, the feedback and the help that we get from folks uh, who, who want us uh, to put a pretty good show together. So just, uh, yeah, he, yeah, here, here. And we enjoy doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do it if we didn't enjoy it. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, just want to note that out. And um, yeah, I, I guess uh, with that, let's uh, let's roll into our uh, players and teams of the week. Uh, you know, what? I think uh, I think it's my turn to go first with this one. So uh, I will start with uh, with my player of the week. Uh, and that was a, uh, a game from a game that I saw Saturday night, uh, Merrimack and BG. For this week's player, I'm going to go with uh, Bishop Girton Sr., uh, Cody Shemansky, who uh, had a, a big game on both sides of the ball for the Cardinals in their uh, 28-7 win over Merrimack. Uh, had him for nine catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown with uh, with seven and um, uh, 77 of those yards coming in the second half, uh, and then he and the touchdown. And uh, he also had uh, two interceptions on defense as, uh, as Merrimack had seven turnovers in this game. Um, so he had two picks, uh, nine catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. And a lot of that came to he, – he took a shot on, uh, on a uh, – you know, he was running a route over the middle. And I, I don't remember if it was a play where he caught the ball or not. I should have gone back and looked. But he took a, one of those shots where you, you, you hear – it, obviously, it sounded worse than it was because he stayed in the game. But you know, it, it was a little slow getting up, and uh, you know, I think might have come out for a play or two, but got back in there and and really did a lot of damage for the Cardinals. And, you know, he was a big part of their team last year as a as a junior, um, and you know, really steps up to give them a nice kind of option. You know, I, they've I mean they've got it feels like five or six different guys who can go out and catch passes. Um, yeah, you know. they I, I, I they do. I think they they are very very deep uh, in, in their receiver room, no question. Yeah, so that's uh, Cody Shemansky from uh, from BG is my pick for uh, for player of the week. And uh, Mike, who was yours? Yeah, so I think that's a I think that's a good pick, Joe. I watched um, a good chunk of that game as well. Um, but the other game that I had a chance to see, and it just so happens it also syncs up with the the player of the week that I've chosen was the Mac Black game which I'm sure we'll get into a little later Oh yeah, um, between Pinkerton and Londonderry. But, you know, I'm taking a, a player that doesn't necessarily have, um, I, I think, you know, gaudy offensive statistics or anything like that. But, you know, as we've said before, sometimes you get lucky enough to just to, to see enough of a game to say that player made an impact on the momentum and the outcome of that game. And I, I think that I think we found a player this week anyway that I liked in that. And that's junior running back Matt Morrison for Pinkerton. Um, you know, we've talked about Morrison on the show a couple few times. Hard not to, right? He had a really good kind of breakout sophomore season. Um, but but really, you know, what I thought was most impressive about Morrison was, you know, he scored a 15-yard touchdown run in the third quarter that kind of was the spark that got momentum swinging back to Pinkerton's side after having been down to Londonderry. 
Um, and then he had two interceptions in the game, if I'm not mistaken, one of which uh, was kind of the, 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 the turnover that ended Londonderry's chances, um, you know, at, at coming back and kind of sealing things up a little bit. Um, so his presence was felt all over the field, right? I think he only had maybe 50 rushing yards or something like that. But they spread the ball out pretty well amongst those Pinkerton backs. Um, and it was really Morrison's performance on defense. Um, and also, I, I think he had a pretty key reception that that uh, that set up a field goal yeah. uh, attempt. So there were there were just little things that Morrison did at key times that ended up being big things uh, in terms of the outcome of that game. Because, as you know, it was a close game that came down to the final, you know, whatever it was, minute and whatever. Um, you know, in, in order for Pinkerton to kind of, you know, shake that losing streak. So big performance from Morrison, and I wanted to give the nod to him this week. Yeah, kind of like a, a performance with one of our picks last week, uh, Luke Peters from from North, who, you know, the numbers, you know, his total yards and catches and whatever may not be eye-popping, but made plays in key moments, um, you know, to to – you know, give his chance, his team a chance to win or to, to seal the win for them. So, yeah, that's a a nice pick. Um, And, and, um, you know, it it would must've been, I I still have to go back and watch the game. I have not had a chance to in this uh, crazy weekend that I had, Um, had a chance to go back and watch it, but sounds like it was a, maybe a classic uh, Mac Plaque game uh, between Pinkerton and Londonderry. Yeah, it was a great game. We could talk a little bit about it uh, when we get into the yeah, D1 yeah. point if you want. But, uh, oh, of course. But yeah, def- we we got to talk about it. We, it's yeah. only, the, only the biggest game of the week last week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was being, I was trying to be <laughs> sure. like very, no, you know, I know, I know. <laughs> sort of coy about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then for, for team of the week, um, you know, I think the other big game, uh, well, obviously there were a lot of big games in D1, but the one that I know a lot of people were talking about, you know, this looks like it's going to be an epic game or a big game could, could be a good one. And it was, was uh Wyndham and Salem. So my, my other, my team of the week, I'm going with Sa- the Salem blue devils who uh, were, was able to squeeze out a, uh, a 33 28 win over uh, Wyndham in a game that featured almost no defense in the first half. Uh, three, t- three drives for each team, three touchdowns, 21, 21. Uh, the only th- thing that uh kept it from keeping up or, or continuing that way was that Wyndham threw a pick on its last possession with about a I don't know less than a minute left in the first half and and uh Salem just ran out the clock uh you know and then the second half you had a little bit more uh defense you know more plays on defense making stops but the biggest difference was uh was Salem got a turnover in a, in a key moment uh a fumble that set up uh, a go-ahead touchdown and then uh, after Wyndham came back and went back ahead, twenty-eight, twenty-seven, um, you know, a sequence that that on the surface, you know, kind of looked strange, but after, you know, uh, Wyndham coach uh, Jack Byrne kind of, you know, went over the situation. They they decided to onside kick after that touchdown uh, that put like said that put Wyndham up twenty-eight, uh, twenty-seven. Still six fifty-one left in the game. Uh, Salem recovers it but then goes backwards on the next two plays. So they're looking at, like, I think it was third and 21 
uh, from their own side of midfield when uh, Nolan Lumley uh, throws one downfield and uh, Kevin Tedisco goes up and gets it, brings it down, scores a, on a 62-yard pass play, uh, his third touchdown of the game, and um, you know that puts up puts Salem up uh, by the final margin there. And then this game came right down to the end. Wyndham had a shot, uh, you know, in the, on the final play to uh, go back in front, and, and pass just fell incomplete. Um, you know, but for Salem, I had. Um, you know, like I said, Tedisco with three touchdowns, two on the ground. Felix Gonzalez with another two touchdowns, 83 yards on the ground. Salem with 330 total yards. Uh, what I had, 207 of that on the ground. No turnovers. Um, Lumley was three of five for 123 yards and a score. So just a, you know, a, a good day all around for the Blue Devils. And and wouldn't you know, they're sitting at four and zero in the division right now. And and with their upcoming schedule, they. Yeah, their schedule is really interesting where they don't play uh, Londonderry and Pinkerton until the final two weeks of the regular season. Uh, you know, so they've got over the next, um, you know, they've got Alvern this week, uh, an out-of-state uh, game against Wachusett that doesn't, you know, doesn't count in the standings, obviously, and then uh, a game, a Thursday night game against Central. So, I mean, they, they could be 6-0 and going into games against Pinkerton and Londonderry, which... You know, I, I thought Salem would be better than they were a year ago, but I don't know if I'd I'd have picked them to be you know four and zero and maybe even six and zero at one point. Yeah, I I think it's safe to say that they're back. Um, that's for sure. Um, I I'm not sure that I would have pegged them at four and zero. Um, I mean, they've beaten some good football teams. You know, they they. They had a quality win over Concord last week. Certainly, Wyndham, I think that's, that's a big win. We're talking about a Wyndham team that just two weeks ago uh, beat Malden Catholic in an out-of-state game. And really, their only their only loss up to that point was to Pinkerton, who's kind of sitting who may, who may on, be the on best top. Team, could be the best team in the state, arguably. Yeah, yeah. If not on top, then then right there at the top with some, you know, maybe Bedford or somebody, right? Sure. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so pretty uh, pretty impressive opening half for Salem, I would say. So, uh, who did you decide to go with for your uh, team of the week? So you know, all the <clears throat> the rivalry games, uh, a lot of excitement. I went with uh, besides Mac Plaque, which is which is classic. I I went with my my other favorite rivalry, uh, which is the Exeter Winnicunnet game. So I, I chose Exeter. Uh, as my team of the week, always, um, always a big deal. R- again, regardless of the records, I think coming in because we've seen in the past where teams in this Winnicunnet Exeter rivalry have been down, but they've come out on top of the quote-unquote favored team, right? So, sure. yeah. um, always a big deal when you come out of that one uh, with a victory, no matter which of those two teams you are. Um, and and if I'm not mistaken, you know, it was I'm trying to remember correctly, but I think Exeter kind of had to like claw its way into the game. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, what was the? Of course, I've got everything but the final score right in front of me. Yeah, so the and the final score is not there. It was tw- <laughs> it was 24 to. Um, it was. Uh, I just had it too. It was 23 to seven. Exeter it was the final. Yeah. yeah, and it was. Yeah, it started out. I mean it. That's it started out as like your typical kind of rivalry t- 
type of game where, you know, throw out the records and all those other cliches, uh, you know, about about rivalries. You know, Exeter, or excuse me, Winnicott came out and onside kicked the opening kickoff, uh, recovered it, and went down the field getting a 35-yard touchdown pass on fourth and six from Drax, Jack Struther, or excuse me, Riley McDaniel to Jack Struther. Uh, so Winnicott goes up 7 nothing. Uh, four minutes into the game in a game that we certainly didn't expect that to happen in. Um, right. You know, I, I was talking to someone, I, again, this was Saturday afternoon. I was talking to someone at the at Salem, and uh, I said, oh, wow, Winnicott's up 7 nothing," And their response was, they, they got into, the, you know, that they scored? Like, I didn't see yeah. that happening against Exeter. Uh, you know. Yeah, and they had only scored 11 points in three games. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and then and then it takes it's a seven nothing game up until, you know, the early part of the second quarter. It took Exeter a couple of drives to get going, and then Winnicott even had the ball on on Exeter's uh, thirty seven, um, you know, on its third possession, and, and ended up turning the ball over on downs there. Uh, and then Exeter responds with a ten play drive and. Uh, Daniel Batstone uh, gets in the end zone and then runs in the conversion as well. Right. Um, so, and then it's 8-7 Exeter, and, and that's, uh, you know, I don't want to say that was it, but obviously. That was all they needed. Of, yeah, it was all they needed, though. Um, you know, they had, had later on had a 12-play, 66-yard drive, um, you know, that, that puts them up 15-7, to um, you know, right before halftime. And then they put it away in the in the fourth quarter with another uh, another long drive, eleven plays, sixty eight yards, and almost seven minutes um, to you know to make it twenty three to seven. So right. I mean, it's it, it really like kind of what you in the in the end what we expected maybe in this game, but it took uh, a different route to get there. Yeah, yeah, and I and again I think it takes some it, it took some grit. Given the way that the game opened, and given the the the, the history of that rivalry, right? Um, but it was also a, maybe a more important game than a lot of people might realize for Exeter, I think, because Exeter still has some challenges ahead of them on their schedule. You know, I mean, they've they've overcome, you know, Timberlane and North, which are decent opponents at this point, but still upcoming after uh, I think next week they have St. John's, which is sort of an out of league game. They've still got to play. Portsmouth Oyster River and Londonderry and Dover, um, all of which are are solid football teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know you fall to win a in a rivalry game there because you can't overcome you know an early uh, uh, you know an, an early punch in the mouth, um, and that puts you in kind of a kind of an interesting position looking ahead to the second half of the season if you're Exeter. Whereas you persevere, you fight through, you win that game. You know, you've set yourself up um, in in a much better position, obviously, going into to some of those really good quality opponents to close out the back half of the season for the Blue Hawks. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to figure out uh, what what St. John's this is that uh, that Exeter is playing. Is it that they? I'm trying to don't remember. No, they didn't play him last year uh, in their bye week. Um, I don't know, I'm assuming it's St. John's Shrewsbury. Uh, I don't know what I mean. Obviously, there's St. John's Prep, but I think it would say St. John's Prep if that's who it was, and I can't imagine. Um, I, mean, I don't I, think that 
it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. I know. We had we had the same question in lacrosse this past year because Pinkerton was playing Shrewsbury and BG was playing prep. But um, yeah, like I said, those were those were listed on the schedules as as such. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that is a pretty big win. Uh, you know, given what Exeter still has, that that would be like a that would be a very rough spot to be upset by your your rival. Uh, and you know, I don't know. You know. I think going in, I would have, you know, I'd, I'd have said the same thing that Londonderry, Pinkerton, and 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 Wyndham Salem were kind of toss ups uh, to me. But a lot of these other rivalry games, you know, you look at Dover got a, a 42-14 win over Spalding, and Portsmouth Oyster River beat uh, Memorial 48-6, and uh, you know Concord beat Central. You know, North comes back to get a, a close win over South, and and Merrimack beats BG, and Bedford just you know, steamrolled Goffstown. Um, you know, a lot of the other rivalry games went the way you expected them to. Maybe not looking that way along, uh, you know, along the way, but uh, when we got to the end of the road, they 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 did. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to find out what this who this game is supposed to be against, but it's uh, it's not as easy as you would think. I'm not sure why, um, but yeah. So let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that Mac Platt game. What um, obviously Londonderry gets out to the ten point, or you know, it was what a thirteen nothing thirteen, lead. yeah. Um, and uh, the field goal before halftime makes it ten. Um, yeah, just how did I like what what kind of happened there early on that got uh, got Londonderry out in front? Well, you know. First of all, Londonderry's defense is really good. I think we talked about that week one when I watched them play Concord, uh, how impressed I was. But really what what I think happened was, you know, you had uh, Tim Hersom, who's a, a pretty good quarterback for Pinkerton. I mean, you know, I've been impressed with him in the past. Um, but he turned the ball over really uncharacteristically a couple times in the first half. Um and when you're talking about going up against a, a, a good defense and, and, and an offense that can be explosive, um, like Londonderry has, you know, you turn the ball over twice in the, in the first half, especially, you know, when things are rolling a little bit, um, you know, that, that right there, I think kind of put them obviously right behind the eight ball. Um, you know, there was a, there was a, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. See, I, I missed the very beginning of the game. Um, and I think there was not an onside kick, but kind of like a, you know, like a squib kick type of thing that Londonderry hit. And they recovered and went right down and, you know, scored um, as a result of that, right? So they took three possessions away from Pinkerton in that first half, right? One off the the opening kickoff, which could have been, a dagger right to the heart. I mean, that's, that's an extreme momentum killer, obviously. Right. I mean, not that you've had a chance to even gather momentum at that point, but you know, you're thinking, all right, Hey, we get the ball, we'll go down. We'll either punch one in or we'll get, you know, we'll start getting a really good tilted field position situation. Nope. Boom. You know, they kick it to you, uh, run down the field and jump on it. Um, and then again, like I said, two turnovers, you know, it was, it was kind of a rough first half, in terms of giving away possessions for Pinkerton, um, which again, I think makes it all the more 
impressive what they were able to do in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that you know, t- to to go uh, to have those kind of mistakes against a team like Londonderry, I mean, you can't I, you can't do that often and and expect to come back. Um, you know, so it's, that's a. I think that tells you a lot about Pinkerton right there is that they they were able to battle back from that. Um, yeah, just um, what sounds like it was a disaster of a first half. Uh, yeah, for, for and. Pinkerton. And I think the other thing too that was that really stood out was Londonderry's. Uh, I mean, um, I'm sorry, Pinkerton's defense in the second half was really quite good. I mean, it was it was really quite good all around. If you if you if you take away the fact that you know they they were set up with some some key takeaways, um, that the Londonderry offense was set up with some key takeaways uh, by their defense, but Pinkerton's defense really rose to the occasion. You know. Pinkerton had to kick to Londonderry to open the the second half. Londonderry really needed a drive, um, you know, put something together there, and and uh, they didn't get it. And it was almost like right at that moment when the Pinkerton defense rose up and kind of denied a drive to Londonderry, you could start to sense the momentum turning right then and there. And you got a sense that if they could take better care of the football, continue to play good defense, that they had a really good shot at pulling it out. So that was kind of the way it, it played out from, from my watch of it, right. Was both defenses played really tough. Um, obviously Londonderry forcing the turnovers in the, in the, in the first half was critical, but Pinkerton's defense held solid against a, an extremely potent and versatile Londonderry offense. And Pinkerton had just enough offense, uh, you know, to kind of pull out ahead. Right. I, I, I thought one of the really impressive things was after a rough first half, like I mentioned, Hersom turning the ball over a couple times, you know, he had like an 85 yard touchdown run um, at the end of the third quarter, if I remember correctly. Um, so again, right. Talk about making up for it and keeping that mental toughness and responding, right. He, he didn't fold up. He didn't become hesitant. Um, you know, that was a, that was a big, big play in that football game. Yeah, um, in fact, it was it was the go ahead right, touchdown, yeah. make it seventeen thirteen. Yeah, and then and then Londonderry comes back, uh, and and there they yeah they came back and took the lead, retook the lead, right? Right. right. God, just uh, yeah, that back and a back and forth game like that, um, in in that kind of a game is just that's that's what you you can't get you can't ask for much more than that. I I would I would assume. No, it was a really great game. Again, uh, you know, you a little bit sloppy with some of the turnovers in the first half, but in terms of like clean play and, you know, not a lot of like, you know, whatever you want to call it, penalties or, or, or like just sort of poor play. Um, it was a, it was a really great mid season form football game between two of New Hampshire's best, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the heck out of it. It, it. There was there was a ton of people there. I mean, there must have been 4,800, 5,000, 5,200 people there. There was it was everything you want out of one of those snack black games. I wasn't sure where you were going with that number at first. It sounded like you were giving me like right down to the single person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I pride myself on being able to kind of figure crowd sizes out. Sure, I don't know why. Sure. But uh, yeah, but it, there was a lot. Of, there were a lot, a lot of, people of people there. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, that's and that's so much fun. I I honestly like. I wish that we had more 
atmospheres like that for for some of these games you know because that's that just makes things so much more fun um you know it was kind of like i mean we definitely weren't that many people but you know i was over at timberlane on friday we, we'll get into the game a little bit later but um you know just the crowd there was was fantastic uh for that game yeah. against Sauhegan. um but it's it makes it makes these events so much more fun when there's a great crowd uh for it so that's that's it's good to hear good to see uh that there's yeah. a crowd like that um, yeah rock, rock and roll and they and and the teams put on a great show so I, hopefully hopefully we get to see them play again uh, in the postseason, because uh, I, I suspect that that rematch would be just as awesome. Yeah. Uh, if uh, to backtrack a little bit, I finally have an answer. Uh, <laughs> on oh, who, good. On who Exeter is playing this week, it is St. Uh, John's Shrewsbury. Uh, gotcha. Okay. That took way more work than it needed to, um, and I I don't know exactly why. <laughs> Um, the first uh, St. John's website I pulled up that was not prep um, said that they were playing the same team that prep. I just it just confusing, um, but yeah. So it Exeter is hosting St. John's Shrewsbury uh, this Friday. Well, a bunch of those Division One East teams have um, out of state games, right? Portsmouth Oyster River has Oxford Hills, which I'm not I, familiar I with. That's a team in Maine. I think they played them last year. Okay. Yeah. And um, Spalding has Edward Little, which I think is also a also team from, from Maine. Yeah, from Maine. I think they also played last year. Uh, yeah. We have Winniconnet has uh, Bangor. Bangor, uh, which is obviously Maine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a couple out-of-state games this week for the East. Yeah. Uh, and now we know who St. John's is. Yes, yes we got <laughs> that figured out. Whew, one, one thing we can check off. Right. Uh, uh, any any other thoughts on that game? Um, I think I do agree with you. I, I have a feeling that this is a prelude to uh, what will be a pretty good um, playoff game at some point. You, you hope that if it could be a championship game, but I think I have a feeling it's going to end up being before that uh, when all is said and done. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But uh, yeah, no, I just I'd love to see more. It just left me it left me wanting to see them play again. Uh, well, of course, I, I mentioned being at the Wyndham uh, in Salem game on Saturday and Merrimack in BG. Uh, talked a little bit about both those games earlier, but, um, you know, just kind of uh, like like we said with, with Salem, I'm um, just really impressed with the way that they've uh, performed this year. You know, and, and that's a team, too, that is, has, doesn't have a ton of seniors. They are very junior and sophomore and even some freshmen getting some playing time for them. Um you know, so that's a team to really watch out for, not just this year, but but coming up down the down the next couple of years, and then and then Wyndham, um, you know, that is certainly a team that that belongs in the playoffs. That should be a playoff team. Um, you know, I've seen them twice now uh, in, in tough losses to Pinkerton and to Salem, uh, and and they've got all the pieces that they they need. It's just a matter of of putting it all together at the right time. You know, against Salem, they they had just some killer penalties in that game. Um, you know, that just that, you know shooting themselves in the foot kind of thing. You know, the first half when it looked like they were going to make a stop on defense, they get a roughing the kicker call that uh, on a punt that that gives Salem the ball back. They go down and score on that. Um, you know, one of Salem's last, or I think Salem's last drive. You know, Wyndham pins them all the way back at the one yard line. 
on a punt, and uh, they end up Salem ends up picking a couple first downs on you know uh, late hit calls on Wyndham. You know, so it just, you know, the drive keeps going, you know, maybe burns a couple of seconds or, or maybe even a minute that, you know, Wyndham doesn't have. So, um, you know, they've got a tough task this week having to bounce back um, against Londonderry, who's also going to be bounce, trying to bounce back. You know, it's a game, uh, Friday night game at Wyndham where they're, they're bringing in their lights. Uh, it's their blackout game, uh, you know, to. Yeah, it's always a ton yeah. of fun over there for that environment. Yeah, actually, this I believe this whole week is, if I'm not mistaken, that that all of the teams at Wyndham have that will be doing the the blackout jerseys and and all that for for this week. So that's uh, really something exciting to look forward to. Uh, yeah, it's it's almost um, unthinkable is not the right word, but it's 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 uh, it's just interesting the way the schedule works out. That's it, that one of these two teams, Wyndham Londonderry are going to end up going 0 for 2 over a two-week span. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, because like you said, Wyndham, pretty good football team, probably has a good track for the for the playoffs. I mean, they still have some challenges ahead of them. They've got Portsmouth, Portsmouth Oyster River. They've got Con- Concord <clears throat> and obviously Londonderry. But, you know, again, yeah, you know, one of these two teams is going to bounce back. The other is going to take two knocks in a row which is again kind of unthinkable but uh that's the that's the way that these things work out sometimes yeah it uh it's a little easier i think to to maybe swallow knowing that there's you know 13 teams get into the playoffs which i i i'm becoming a more and more of a fan of um yeah you know as the further we go along but you know, so like a team like Wyndham, that if they they come out with a loss against Londonderry this week, they're sitting at one and three, but certainly plenty of time to make it up uh, and, right. and still have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, and then and the other game that I mentioned there, uh, Merrimack and BG, um, you know, it, it, one of those situations. I mean, Merrimack, uh, you know, there we knew going in that they were going to be good defensively, and you know they they held BG to you know, a touchdown in every quarter of this game. And, and oftentimes, you know, they were on short fields. Like one of, you know, one of BG's touchdowns came after, you know, Merrimack, again, I, I feel like they do this once a game where they snap the ball over the punter's head, which is, you know, I guess you could look at it as, as remarkable because the, the, the kid's like 6'5". Uh, yeah. They've got punting for him. So it's not <coughs> easy, an easy thing to do. Um you know, and and so BG or the ball ends up going, getting turned over on downs inside the Merrimack ten. Um, you know, so BG scores two plays after that. So their defense is is good enough to keep them in games. Um, their offense, they're just it's it's like their offense is constantly under pressure. Uh, when I've seen them, you know, now against BG and against Goffstown, uh, the week before, um, you know, and they're having to just just rush on plays. It looks like, and if they could just get a little bit more time to get everything down that, that, that might be a big change for them. Yeah. I, from what I saw, uh, I, I would agree with you, by the way, I think they've had a, they've had a hard time this year playing complementary football between their offense, their yeah, defense and their yeah. special teams. Um, you know, the defense is definitely good enough, like you said, to keep them in games, but, and, and, and a lot of the points they've given up this season have been a result of, you know, field position off of a, 
a turnover, whether it was a special teams turnover or a, uh, or just an, a, you know, an outright offensive turnover. Right. Um, and I've seen obviously a, a lot of, I guess, mishaps on offense with regard to turnovers, right. There was, uh, you know, uh, a, a couple of INTs that I think were, were sort of unfortunate. Um, you know, there was a, I remember seeing a, a really good run play get negated by just having the ball coughed up in the middle of the run and, you know, it bounced into the, into the heart of the BG defense and it was recovered by BG. So, you know, just, just kind of like unfortunate play, uh, offensively i think for merrimack that has sort of led to to some untimely turnovers that's just put them in in rough positions right if you if i think was it seven turnovers they had this week seven turnovers plus that punt uh bad snap on the punt that might as well have been a turnover right so if you look at those eight incidents mishaps turnovers whatever you want to call them um and and think that the score wasn't really that out of hand. And BG is a high quality team. We, we we've been saying for a while they've got athletes all over the place in terms of receivers. They have an excellent quarterback. They have a solid defense. Um, Running back Merrimack was good. right in that game, yeah. despite some some really rough play. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of that other than you you hope you know you look at that stuff on film. And you say all that stuff's correctable, all of it, right? Turnovers are, are correctable. It's not like, oh, we're just terribly outsized or, oh, we don't have anybody that can catch or, oh, you know, like, you know, you, you can't necessarily fix those things. Turnovers you can fix. Um, so it does give you a little bit of question as, to, as far as like, you know, what's the second half of the season for Merrimack going to be like? How are they going to correct those issues and right the ship a little bit potentially? They got uh, another another team with a, a, a game against the main opponent this week uh, with, with Bonnie Eagle coming to Merrimack Friday night. Um, yeah, yeah so who they played last year out of state. They did, yeah. Yeah, and I believe did they, they lost that game late. Like, that was a good competitive game, if yes. I remember correctly. Um, yes, actually, from what I remember watching some of that game, it, it was probably a game they could have, should have won. Um, but there were a couple big plays that Bonnie Eagle pulled off towards the end of the game that they just couldn't recover from. Then uh, uh, BG hosts uh, Timberlane on Saturday night. Um, you know, that should be an interesting one, uh, you know, especially with Timberlane coming off of a, a nice win. Um, you know, two, again, programs with kind of different styles of, of how they do things, how they want to do things. So I'm really interested to see how that goes. The other game, yeah. uh, kind of looking at too in in the West, you've got uh, Nashua North uh, coming off a twenty eight fifteen win over South, going to Bedford, um, you know, and and Bedford of course just uh, really annihilating people <laughs> uh, so far this season, uh, and North, uh, you know, don't I don't have a ton of details in front of me from that game, but I do know. That it was clinched by our our player, my player of the week last week, uh, Luke Peters, who had a hundred and one yep. yard interception return to to cap that win. For yeah, I saw that. Uh, you know, so that's two weeks. I saw in that row. because I was immediately thinking to myself, "Oh, we can't pick him as player of the week again." <laughs> <laughs> uh, twice in two games now that uh, that that the younger Peters has had a, a big play like that. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and they've got they've got a, a real tough stretch the next two weeks again with Bedford and then London Londonderry the following week. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how North comes out of that. Uh, so I guess, but I guess at this point, you know, might be a good time to, uh, you know, we're we're always trying to find ways to transition from division to division, and we have one built in perfectly for us this week, in the form of that Timberlane Sauhegan game. That's uh, right. You know, um, it, it was it was really you know an interesting uh, interesting matchup going in. You know, I I, I realize I think only the second or third time they've ever played each other. I think both of the previous meetings were in 2020. Uh, you know, you had, uh, um, I th- believe, a regular season game at Timberlane and then maybe a playoff game at Sauhegan, if, I'm, if I've got that right. But either way, they, they'd never played each other um, outside of that. Right. You know, Sauhegan going over there in, in front of, a you know, what was a pretty good crowd. Um, you know, I... I doing uh interviews for the season was talking to some of the you know talking to the kids today um earlier today monday and um you know some of them mentioned the crowd like it just kept getting bigger and bigger you know and and got really loud um reminded them a little bit of the the championship game last year against pelham um you know and it it was it was a great crowd great atmosphere for that game and it couldn't have started out any better for for sauhegan second play of the game uh, Romy Jane hits JJ Bright for a, what I think a seventy, no, not a sixty-something yard touchdown. Of course, it would be a good idea to have all that in front of me, wouldn't it? Um, but you know, a long touchdown pass where you know it looked like a couple of uh, Timberland guys tried to, you know, grab uh, Bright by his shoulder pads up high and tackle him, and like that's not gonna, no, that's not gonna work. <laughs> uh, you know, sixty-yard touchdown pass. No, I'm sorry. 52-yard touchdown pass. I was looking at the wrong thing. Um, a long touchdown yes, pass. A long touchdown pass <laughs> to start the game. Um, you know, and then they and then Sauhegan comes back on its next possession and puts together a long drive and gets another touchdown. So they're up 14 to nothing late in the first quarter of that game, and uh, it kind of felt like, okay, well, is this just the way it's going to be this season for Sauhegan? And uh, yeah, of course, the answer to that question was no. Uh, uh, Timberlane came back there, you know, playing their physical brand of football. They ran the ball really well with, uh, with Eddie DiGiulio and, uh, Liam, uh, of course I don't have his name right in front of me. I believe Liam Corman, um, you know, both of them, I had DiGiulio with 99 yards rushing Corman with 138. Uh, of course DiGiulio goes down late in the first half with an injury. Uh, I, I'm, thinking he might be okay though because i saw him kind of walking around after the game um celebrating with his teammates uh you know of course and then injury wise you had uh braden hickman going down for for sauhegan on the third offensive play of the game Uh, i'm not sure what his status is but he did not return that game and he was on the bench the rest of the night did not look good and that's a a tough break for sauhegan if if uh, they don't have him uh, but yeah, it was that was another game. Came right down to the wire, you know. Final three minutes, Sauhegan had a chance to go on a, a you know game clinching drive. Um, Timberlane's defense comes up with a with a play. Uh, you know they get an inter- interception from Cam Nazarian with about a minute left, and they're able to kneel out a win. Um, you know, just a 
like I said, a great game, great crowd, and uh, maybe the best part uh, for both sides is it uh, it doesn't count. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly teaches you a little something about both teams. Um, you know, that Sauhegan offense um, is explosive and, you know, maybe the best offense, although I'm sure, you know, you, you get to look at Pelham, obviously, but, you know, just player for player across the board, maybe the best offense in division two, but um, you know, it shows you a little bit about Timberlane being able to step up to that a little bit. You know, I think they, they generated two picks and Romy Jane is one of the best quarterbacks in New Hampshire, undoubtedly. Um, You know, so it does show you a little bit that Timberlane has a defense that can step up. Um, But also I think, you know, there, there were some impressive rushing numbers there. But honestly, it it didn't sound like, and you you can correct me if if I'm wrong because you were there, but it didn't sound like Timberlane just mercilessly pounded Sauhegan in the run game either, right? And and there were times last year where I thought Sauhegan's running defense was somewhat suspect. It, it almost sounds like they're a little bit more stout this year. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was one of those things that you didn't maybe notice it until I, I you know what I mean like like it didn't feel like Timberlane dominated up front but I guess maybe maybe they kind of did <laughs> um you know they only had one drive that you would call one of those like long kind of punishing drives you know and that was a they, they had a, the ball in the fourth quarter for about seven and a half minutes um you know they it was a you know an odd drive too. 12 plays just 39 yards on the drive mm. but it was very clearly a you know eat up the clock and don't give them the ball back kind of drive yeah until the, yeah statement drive yeah um you know but most of their other like like time of possession um you know was very skewed because of that drive in the second half but in the first half um they both teams ran 29 plays so had the ball for maybe about a minute more minute like a minute and change uh more than timberlane did and that, like I said, that long drive that they had in the in the first quarter was uh, five minutes and twenty five seconds, mm. um, and and twelve went twelve plays. So I mean, yeah, it wasn't so much that they like were dominated up front or or anything like that. They just they were giving up enough to make it so that they weren't getting the ball back as quickly. Uh, right. And then when they did, they weren't having as much success doing some of the things that they normally have success with. Right. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, Timberlane's a solid team, and it was a. I think that's a great test for Sauhegan. I think Absolutely. it, honestly, at the end of the day, it it probably helps Sauhegan be even a more battle tested, dangerous team than they already were. Right. Um, you know, for whatever that's worth, I'm sure they would have much rather have won that game. But you know, you you, you come out of a Division One, you had to travel to a a hostile Division One uh, opponent's house, and you come out of there with a one point loss. I don't know. I, you know, I, I know there's no moral victories when you hold yourself to a level of excellence like Sauhegan does, but it's not a horrible outcome. And I think it probably makes them a stronger team overall, um, having faced that kind of a situation and, and, and that high of a quality of an opponent. Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see what Timberlane does down the stretch here. Obviously we, we, you know, I mentioned that the BG game come up Saturday you know, then they, they go to Memorial for a Saturday game the following week. Um, you know, and then they finish with a, with a tour of the Seacoast. They've got Dover, 
Winnicott and Portsmouth Oyster River after that, with those right. last two being at home. Um, you know, so I, I like they're a team that looking at them, I would say they're a playoff team. They look like a yeah. playoff team to me. Uh, yeah. But they're going to have to win, obviously win a, bu- a bunch of games down the stretch here. Um, or, you know, in the final five weeks to, to get into that position. Uh, and some of those games are going to be tough ones to win. Yeah, you might look at that Dover game on the 13th as being sure, as being really pivotal, right? I Absolutely. mean, yeah. not, not to take away from the importance of this week's game against BG, I don't think, but um, looking at that, I, I would say this, uh, that's, that's a big one for Timberlane. And then, and then you mentioned, you know, yeah, Sauhegan moving forward. Uh, they turn around this week, um, you know, ha- host their annual uh, Clause for a Cause game um, against Plymouth. You know, they, they, they finally go home after three weeks on the road, and uh, they follow up a, a game with Timberline uh, by hosting Plymouth. And then if you want to look out even further, the week after, they, they go up to Hanover. So really hitting the, uh, the meat of the schedule now for Sauhegan. And right. uh, you know that game against Plymouth on Friday, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to. You know what? I I honestly don't know the last time I did a Sahuigan Plymouth game. I may have been like, I want to say it was like 2006. Maybe I went up there for their playoff game at Plymouth. Um, that might you know that may have been the last time I've seen these two teams play each other, if I if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, and it's a you know it's a game. You, you, we talk a lot about the rivalries, right? The Mac Plack game, the uh, Sauhegan Milford, by the way. Um, you know all these other games, Exeter Winnicott. That rivalry used to be really, really intense. I mean, it was it was every bit as intriguing and interesting as the uh, as as some of these other big ones in the state are. And it fell off for a long time because Sauhegan and Plymouth didn't play each other. Uh, you know, there, it was like a Division Four, Division Three thing for a while. Then they, every once in a while, they might have met under the new format, but only in the playoffs, depending if things would work out. So, you know, you don't get that annual regular season meeting up until recently. Um, so I think it's I think it's great that there's a sort of a rekindling of that rivalry coming up here. Um, and, and, and definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. You know, and you look at uh, Plymouth's start to this year. I mean, they've been doing to teams, uh, you know, on, the, on that side of the division, um, like, you know, Sauhegan has been doing the first couple weeks. You know, they beat Pembroke 42-7. They beat Bo 35-7. Merrimack Valley 35 nothing, And then Laconia last week, uh, 48-12. Yeah, uh, Plymouth is like, like insidiously 4-0. <laughs> you know, like we haven't really been talking about Plymouth and they're four and oh, and, and, and not like an easy four and oh either. I mean, they've, they've been dominantly four and oh, yeah. Up to this point. What? Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's one of those ones, you know, it's always, you, you try to, there's no common opponents to look at to kind of gauge, well, this team is here. I mean, I guess if you want to, you want to stretch it a little bit, uh, Plymouth, what do we say? Plymouth beat Bo 35, seven. Uh, Bo just beat Milford twenty-six to fifteen. Sauhegan beat Milford in one half, thirty-nine to nothing. How right. does that uh, put put that in in some algorithms and and equations and and yeah, you know, compute it out for us? <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, I, I I'm I, 
it's you're right. It is great to see that th- this uh, this matchup come back. I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, you know, it seems to be, you know, if nothing changes with the divisions, then it seems that they they change your crossover game every cycle. So, I imagine some, you know, Sauhegan and Plymouth will be pl- crossing over with someone else next year. But who knows? Uh, you know, so we'll, let's we'll enjoy this one certainly as we can. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a huge game for Plymouth too because, you know, yeah they beat they beat Bo a couple of weeks ago which was a a big win, but Plymouth kind of heading into the meat of their schedule with this starting with this game at Sauhegan, then they've got Guilford Belmont then they've got Kennett, St Thomas and Sanborn, so not a lot of margin for error there, uh, for for again four and O Plymouth. You're looking at say what, what you you know what are you talking about? They start out four and zero, but I mean that's a that's a brutal second half schedule for the Bobcats. Yeah, absolutely. You know the, it's them and Kennett right now at four and zero in in the East, and then you've got yeah the kind of uh, log jam of of those teams that you mentioned: Bo, Guilford, Belmont, St. Thomas, Sanborn, all sitting there at two and two. Right. Um, you know, but, and and like quality two and two, right? I mean, they're yeah, they're clearly sure. good teams. Sure, and well, they're all beating up on each other, right? You know, you got Sanborn beats Bo, and then Guilford Belmont beats Sanborn, and then Bo beats Guilford Belmont, and none of them have played St. Thomas yet. St. Thomas's, you know, uh, losses have come to Pelham and to Kennett. So, or excuse me, Sanborn, uh, St. Thomas beats Sanborn uh, as well. Yes, uh, yep. in a, in a, a a close game. So yeah, that that'll be you know how that shakes out. I I couldn't tell you. I I couldn't guess. Well, you uh, kind of predicted that at the beginning, or maybe it was week two. I remember you were talking about the the East Conference there in Division Two and saying, uh, you know, they could all beat up on each other. The looks of this, sure. and that's that's kind of what's happening. And if you look at what's out ahead, it could continue to happen for quite a few weeks. Yep, that's that's exactly it. I I predicted it. Yep, got it. Got it right. Yep. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's put that in the win column. <laughs> you know, we might as well just. just wrap I'm up. just trying to. Let's, let's just wrap up the podcast now. Yep. Right. Right. <laughs> well, any final <laughs> thoughts, Joe? <laughs> End on a positive. Um. Yeah. I, uh. And now I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. It. It's. It's. Because uh, yeah, I think what I was. Um. I was speculating about with that. That thought though was that you know those teams might beat each other up so much to the point that it allows a, a team from the West to sneak in that normally wouldn't have gotten in. But I think we're, I mean, you look right now, you've got obviously the, the Timberland game doesn't count. So Sauhegan's still undefeated in the division, Pelham at four and O in the division, John Stark at three and one with a big win over Hanover, but then Hanover also three and one, uh, you know, but still with, Games against Sauhegan and Guilford Belmont and Pelham still to go. Um, you know, Stark finishes out the year with road games at Sanborn and at Sauhegan. I think sandwiched around. Are they they playing an out of state game for their off week? Right, I believe. Right. The week, yeah, they uh, have um, South Burlington or Burlington. Yeah, Southern Vermont. Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so they they've got a tough finish uh, there too. Um, but the rest of the the East is. Uh, you know the other four teams, one win among them. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I'm not sure. I think it might be, you know, depending on on who who beats up who in the the East and how, how that affects their point rating. I mean, we might be looking at four and four 
uh, this year from from each side. Right. Which isn't yeah. to say that's a bad thing. I think those you know you you're going to get four deserving teams uh, for sure in that situation. Yeah, I mean, hey, whoever survives some of these gauntlets, they they've got to be deserving, right? I mean, like you said, there's there's some teams, some of these two and two teams, go for Belmont Bow. I mean, they're 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 quality teams. I mean, I I was looking into the uh, the Bow Milford game, which by the way, Milford was leading eight seven at halftime. Wow, and Bow ended up winning twenty six to fifteen. But uh, you know, again, last week's player of the week. Um, who yeah um dolder yes, who had Jer- kicked jared dolder yeah jared dolder uh, he kicked two more field goals this week in the fourth quarter uh to, to really kind of seal the deal but bo's caleb schumacher 241 yards on 23 carries a touchdown and a two-point conversion um they've got some ball players yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know and and even though milford is out to a rough start you know we all know milford plays tough run defense um or, or, you know, or traditionally has. So that's, that's kind of a big deal. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a, a number of these teams are, are, are very, you know, the message is the number of these teams at two and two are very good coming out of the East. Yeah. Yeah. It will definitely be interesting uh, to see how they, uh, they all play out, how they all finish up. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on division two? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, we had an interesting uh, situation, I believe, in Division Four, um, or Division Four, Division Three. Let's let's not skip a division there, Joe. Come on. Uh, you know, saw early in the week, uh, or maybe actually, I don't think it was. I think it was on Thursday. Uh, I happened to be perusing social media, and I see on the Trinity Football Instagram account uh, that their game Friday against Monadnock had been uh, had been canceled. And I thought, uh oh, this this doesn't sound good. Or, or you know, it, having been scarred by uh, the 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 past previous years there during COVID, where it was, you know, every other every other moment, it seemed like there was another game getting canceled or moved or yeah, something the, was uh, happening. I thought, oh great, what's happening? Forfeiture was just sort of like the order of the week, the, right? Right. But but they weren't technically for forfeits, uh, right? Th- during you know back then. Um, you know, and then I, I happen to notice on, uh, the New Hampshire football report, uh, Roger Brown site that, uh, it mentioned Trinity picks up a forfeit win, uh, over Monadnock. Cause I guess Monadnock had an outbreak of staff infection. Um, yeah, which, uh, yeah, that, uh, that's a good enough reason I think to, uh, postpone a game or to and cance- where, where cancel did, a game. Where did Monadnock play last week? The week before, I believe, uh, against Interlakes, uh, but I think it's, it was at Monadnock. It, okay, it yeah, because yeah, one of the reasons I asked was because I remember when I was at Hollis in 2011, we had a little outbreak of staff on our team, and it was we had gone to camp uh-huh. uh, at New Hampton, and the the turf field that we were practicing on hadn't been properly cleaned. Oh. And disinfected yeah and and so you know kids kind of getting you know turf scrapes and things like that uh it, it we ended up with with uh you know a few players that had to miss our first opener against memorial which we actually won despite 
being down a few guys. That's uh, we, that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. But that's the reason I asked where they had played the week before, because if they had played on a on an artificial surface that hadn't been properly like disinfected or what have you, that I I know from experience that can uh, that can get you into trouble with staff and Sometimes. I knew it was a wrestling thing. I had no idea it was a an artificial turf thing, too. That's uh, see, look, uh, very educational podcast. Yeah, well. right. I mean, <laughs> you get your bang for your buck this yeah, week, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that um, that kind of makes things interesting. Well, first off, I, I I'm I'm hoping that this is just a uh, a mistake here. You know, like we said, Roger mentioned that that the game was a forfeit. Uh, which would give Trinity the win. You yes. go to the NHIA website and it just says the game was canceled. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm gonna believe that Roger got good information from somebody. Um, you know, that would put Trinity at four and zero, right alongside Campbell at four and zero, and would actually, uh, you know, with that it puts Manadnock at two and two, along with Interlakes, Moultonboro, and Conval, and actually the team that would jump ahead of those three is uh is Fall Mountain who sits at 3 and 1 after yep. a uh, a 7 nothing win over Conval last week. Uh you know and and Fall Mountain, you know, a uh late touchdown by Manadnock, you know, in in the regulation of the opener away from being a 4 and 0 team as well. Yeah. Yeah, well and I mean and and a 7 nothing lost by Conval to a pretty good fall mountain team shows you just how far Conval's come in a couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which I think is a, is a great story. Right. So, um, I mean, they've got Conval's got some, some winnable games ahead of them, uh, but also some very difficult ones, right. They still have to play Campbell, uh, Interlakes, Moulton Barrow, um, Stevens, so they, they they still have uh, kind of the meat of their schedule ahead, but uh, definitely an improvement for them this year. I um, their game this week against Manadnock, as you know, assuming everything works out okay there, um, I mean that could be for a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You hope that Manadnock has recovered. Um, I, I I don't think it takes that long to to do so, right? As as long as you're being sort of hygienic and. You know, keeping the you know keeping yourself wrapped up and showered and things like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, getting back to the the unfortunate uh, whether it was again a cancellation or a or a, a forfeiture, I, I would imagine it has to be a forfeiture. Um, yeah, I think we were robbed of a pretty good game there. Unfortunately, I I, I think that the Nadnock Trinity game would have told us a lot about both teams. I, I think. You know, it's pretty clear how, the quality of team that Trinity is, but this would have been a really, really good test um, for Trinity to see, you know, just where they stand against an extremely high quality opponent. So, well, uh, I think Trinity will get that this week. Yep. Uh, we would certainly <laughs> yep. be remiss if we don't talk about, um, you know, what may be the biggest game of the week in the state. Uh, would be Trinity playing at Campbell uh, Friday night again under lights at Campbell. Um, you know they they also bring in the lights usually annually for for one game. Uh, I'm surpri- a little surprised that it's this game because um, I feel like usually you do this for the you know the like the homecoming weekend when you you schedule the team that you know you're going to have a pretty good chance to beat. 
Uh, although I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that this this isn't a great idea too. Bringing in the lights for for what may be the biggest regular season game of the year in Division Three. Right. Yeah, and I mean the key to the whole thing is going to be how does Trinity contend with Scott Hirschberger? Sure. Uh, because Hirschberger really took control of that that championship game, you know, last November, and you know this this past week. Campbell played Interlakes Moultonboro, which is a very, very good team. Obviously, you know, that they're probably top three, top four, you know, at least in that division. And, and uh, you know, Hirschberger did nothing but rack up 200 yards on 13 carries. F- 15 yards a carry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, so Trinity's defense, I think, this year is, is improved and very impressive from what I've seen. But they were they were a pretty darn good defense last year, and they they really didn't have an answer for Hershberger in the second half of that championship game. So it'll come down to uh, it'll come down to how well they can kind of game plan him up. Can they be physical enough to stop him? Can they be physical enough to answer to the the Campbell offensive line, who's obviously very well coached? You know, they do a lot of kind of gap scheme down and pull. And Hershberger gets in behind those guys as they pull through their lead block for him. So, um, yeah, that it, I mean that's that's got to be it right there. Yeah, certainly uh, a fun game for uh, a Friday night. Um, yeah, we're interested to see what what happens in that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any uh, anything else to add about Division Three before we uh, we wrap up with Division Four? No, I don't think so. All right. You know, looking at the standings in D four, it's uh well, actually now that I'm looking at them, they don't look like they're uh they're completely up to date, which is always a good time and that yes, that would be the case. Uh so we're missing a couple of <laughs> couple of scores here. Uh, yeah, I noticed that too. I was just about to say, Wow, this looks weird that you have three two and O teams and then all these one and two teams. Um, uh, doesn't usually work out that way, but uh um I, I would be correct in that because those scores are not here. Okay, so it does look like um it does look like Raymond got a win over Winnesquam there that would put them at uh three and oh along with uh Newport who I think got a forfeit win over New Newfound, if I'm if I'm looking at this right or if I'm reading this right. Uh let's see what else we can find. Um, you know, but I mean you know, Raymond, I think one of the teams that we kind or the team that we thought might have the best shot at breaking up kind of the the stranglehold that uh, Newport and Summersworth has had on the division, um, you know, for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, certainly a three and zero start uh, again, winning the games that you're supposed to win, um, you know, and then pulling out that one against Bishop Brady in the, the second game of the season. I mean, certainly. Um, you know, certainly what they're trying to do and, and, uh, it, and, and, you know, taking care of business, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it is a little frustrating that, uh, all the results aren't recorded because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. well, well, you know, because division four kind of started out funky too, right. Where they're, That's, they're starting a week yeah. later. Um, so you just don't you don't have as much, for lack of a better term, I guess you know, kind of data or, or 
trends in terms of how things have been shaping up. Um, and I was looking to see if I could find information on uh, whether that newfound game against Newport was indeed uh, a forfeiture or, or what happened, but I just I just couldn't it's, find anything. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's tough to tough to really report on things when you you can't find when none of the information or scores even aren't aren't out there. Um, but that's uh, I guess that's the way it it <laughs> it's it goes lately, right? Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate because if that was the case, you know, there's there's probably a really interesting story behind that. I, I would have, I personally would have liked to have understood well, what happened. I would, I would assume, you know, knowing that, you know, that you mentioned the funky start to the, you know, with them taking that first week off, but then you also add in, uh, you know, that that, um, uh, you know, that that game uh, between. Uh, Summersworth and Newfound that was scheduled for that first week of the season was also uh, was pushed back to to the bye week for both teams at the end of the year, I believe, because Newfound didn't have enough kids to play the game. So I'm uh, wondering if that was also the case again this week. Um, you know, and it just uh, and, you know now that they have no other weeks that they can move that game to, um, they just had to forfeit it. That, yeah, that which would be that's my guess, which is, is yeah, it's that, unfortunate. Yeah, that's a little scary, right? Because now you're talking about and, and again, you know, not trying to uh not not trying to be cavalier with our speculation here, but you know, <laughs> if you've got if you've got a team on the verge of not being able to finish out a season, um, you know, that can send ripples through an already kind of truncated division, you know. Right, right. Um yeah, you know, you, teams go from playing seven games to six. I mean, that's a, that's t- how do you have a six game, you know, season? I mean, obviously yeah. everyone else would, I believe, get a forfeit win there, but still, that's that's a rough way to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, you spend your off season and your 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 summer and so forth preparing, and then you get you know you you only get to play a certain you know a certain number of games couple fewer than you wanted or expected that's disappointing yeah uh you know the other interesting result that kind of catches my eye here is this uh you know muscoma valley beating bishop brady eight to seven um you know muscoma had had a a couple of rough games well i say a rough games but they were against newport and Summersworth to start the year so uh, right you know definitely a rough way to start the year but then uh you know that win, uh, an eight-seven win there is uh, first off just an interesting score. But I believe, you know, that that's uh, there hasn't been uh, a lot of wins the last couple of years uh, for Muscoma. So grabbing that um, that would be big news if you know for them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they've got some tough opponents ahead. Well, they've got Raymond coming up, but. Um... Then they've got a couple other other depending on how things shake out, they've got a couple other games that you might say are winnable. Yeah, you get those first two out of the way, and and uh, yeah, it could be smooth sailing from here on out. Not well, maybe not smooth sailing, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it lightens up a little bit. All right, what's uh yeah, looking over this real quick. Oh, you know, maybe the game of the week though um, coming up. Well, of course you've got you know Summersworth and Newport. Um, you know, that's a, a game, 1230 kickoff on Saturday at Newport. 
Uh, that's right up there, I think, probably with Campbell and, uh, and Trinity. Uh, but the sneaky other game to watch, I would say, is that um, franklin Winnesquam game. Uh, quite a, a rivalry there, you know, between Franklin and Tilton right next, right next door to each other. Yeah. Um, certainly one that uh, I think gets a lot of attention up in that area. Uh, so that's another one to keep an eye on. Yeah, really good little Lakes region rivalry there. All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up for this week? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting. There's there's a number of kind of intriguing out of state matchups for for some of the Division One teams. Um, you know, I think we talked about. I I think that Londonderry Wyndham game is kind of interesting because again, a really good football team is going to go you know, oh and two over a two week span there. There's just there's no avoiding it, right? So right. um there there I think there's a number of uh, and certainly the um the the Sauhegan Plymouth game is a big one to keep an eye on. So I think there's some really interesting stories uh to be told this coming week. I'm I'm excited for it. Same here. Same here. And I, I will yeah, we're looking forward to it and uh of course we'll be talking all about it next week. Uh already can't wait same all right mike well thanks again for joining me for this yeah absolutely joe had a good time as always he's mike lockman i'm joe marcellina everybody have a great week enjoy the games and we will talk to you again next week